So IHOP recently changed its name to IHOB, and it's creating quite the stir, so I'll touch on that today. Plus, what about writing? Do you write? Are you a writer? The answer to that question is probably a 99.9% yes. So today we're going to talk about why you need a writing workflow. All this and more on The Rightly Show. It's the program that helps you start and grow a brand-centric online business through the fusion of form and function. This is The Rightly Show. Hello and welcome to the program. My name is Thomas McGee and this is The Rightly Show. So IHOP, the International House of Pancakes, the restaurant if you're not already familiar with them, has decided to make a pretty big change and that is they're flipping the P out with a B. They're no longer the International House of Pancakes, they're the International House of Burgers or at least they are so temporarily. And this is pretty interesting because it's created quite the stir, especially on social media. There's a lot of people who are really upset about this. There are a lot of people who think it's genius in terms of from a marketing perspective. I wanted to weigh in here just briefly. But just if you're not already familiar with the story, here's a brief snippet from Business Insider, which says IHOP's rebrand as IHOB, the International House of Burgers, left many customers skeptical. Last week, IHOP, the International House of Pancakes, announced it would change its name to IHOB, flipping the P to a B. On Monday, IHOP announced that the B stood for burgers. So again, if you're not already kind of familiar with the timeline, they had announced that they're changing their name to IHOB with the B, but they didn't tell people what the B stood for. So they did this big old, you know, social media campaign where they had people guess what is it, what's the B going to stand for? You can vote, you can do this, you can do that. And then they did their big unveil. And it goes on, burgers are really kind of unexpected for us, so we had to do something creative to get everyone's attention. IHOP's president, Darren Rebelles, sorry if I mispronounced the name, told Business Insider. But the pancakes aren't going anywhere. The renaming, while temporary, sparked backlash from many customers. Many remained unconvinced that IHOP's burgers could ever compare to its pancakes. So we at Business Insider decided to try new burgers for ourselves, uh, and here's the verdict on the IHOP or IHOB's controversial new menu items. So they go through in this article and they try a whole, there's tons of photos in here of the different burgers that they tried and, and everything else, you know, from their reporting perspective. So I will leave a link to that in today's show notes, which you can find at rightly.show slash 56. So if you want to check out some of the pictures and get more details, a uh, really interesting move, and I've come at I've kind of been on both, uh, you know, I've been kind of on the fence on this one. I've kind of had seen the argument for and seen the argument against. Uh, now, what has been interesting has been the response on social media, and what I found interesting is I think that this really highlights uh, a different change from a brand perspective, a corporate brand perspective. What we're starting to see here, and I've highlighted this in previous episodes before or other videos or articles and that is that we're seeing a pretty big shift in brands that are trying to do something called that many refer to as unbranding meaning that customers are starting to become distrusting in big corporate you know brands that have what we like to call airline speak they don't really speak like a normal person people don't really like interacting with corporate style brands they like to interact with people And so you've seen this reflected a lot in social media. And where you see this is social media, specifically a lot of big corporate social media accounts are starting to have a more 
personal feel to them, meaning it just kind of sounds like they've got someone in their 20s who just kind of has fun and just runs the social media account. Wendy's especially. If you want to see a social media account that has kind of led the way in this, you can check out Wendy's. Wendy's will regularly troll their customers. They'll make fun of customers They'll make fun of other brands. And it seems like a lot of other brands are following suit. So here's how some of the various brands have responded to this change on Twitter. So Netflix says, be right back, changing my name to Netflib. Uh, we've got TimeHop. Uh, I think their time tracking software says, it's time for a refresh. And then, of course, it's got their logo and it says TimeHob. Um, and then Burger King changed their name temporarily on their social media platform, specifically on Twitter to Pancake King. Um, we've got a number of others. White Castle says, we are excited to announce that we'll be switching our name to Pancake Castle. So a lot of different brands on here just kind of making fun of or jumping on the giant social media wave that is this name change. Wendy's, of course, not to be outdone, says, you know, somebody said on social media, so Wendy's, are you just going to let IHOB sell burgers on your block? I thought you were the whatever, thought you guys were the ones on top. And then Wendy's replies back and says, not really afraid of the burgers from a place that decided pancakes were too hard. So again, you've got this very interesting dynamic that you see taking place on social media, specifically with a number of brands. People who are, uh, these brands are just taking a more personal approach to just interacting with what's happening. It's very interesting to see. Uh, and a lot of it, obviously, is just to garner publicity. So I've heard two different two different arguments on this. One is that this is just a terrible change. So from a purely brand, long-term branding perspective, this name change would be horrible. Uh, if your goal, or like if they decided, yes, we are officially, fully, seriously changing our name from IHOP to IHOB, that idea is totally 100% terrible. Because the whole idea with building a brand is that it's it's founded in something, especially if, you know, you've been, you've come, people have come to know you for a specific product or a specific type of product, changing that to another product completely undermines the brand equity that you've already established for that other thing that you sell. In essence, it waters down the brand. However, I don't think, and obviously from even what this article says and what IHOP or IHOB has said uh, publicly, this was never meant to be a long-term change. This is something that they have chosen to do um, in order to, you know, for more of a PR stunt. So then we jump over to the other side of this equation. And I think this is where most people tend to praise the move, which is that it garners, it's garnering a lot of publicity. So it's absolutely true. You see that, that IHOP changing their name has had pretty much the spotlight shined on them for the last two, three weeks or even more. So, you got both sides of the argument. You could say that, yes, from a purely branding perspective, if this were a branding, long-term branding move, I don't think that it's really helpful for them. I think, yes, people now realize that they have burgers, but I think at the end of the day, a lot of people are still, even though they now know that IHOP has burgers, I don't think that that's necessarily going to make a long-term difference for IHOP. Yes, I think they've garnered a lot of publicity. I think a lot of people have paid attention to them. I think a lot of people now who didn't know that they serve burgers now do. However, I still think that people are going to end up going to the Denny's or to the Wendy's or to the McDonald's. I just don't see International House of Pancakes being a place, even with the name change, that people are going to move to. 
And here's the other thing when it comes to, you know, launching a particular product or something or adding or extending or changing a brand. The whole way that a brand becomes synonymous with something isn't merely by changing the name or telling people that it's there. It has to be a product for which people understand that your quality is superior or something about the way that you deliver that product is better than your competition. Merely saying that Levi's now offers suits doesn't mean that those suits are going to be good. It's it's all a question as to whether or not um, that product is good and over time, if it is good, people will begin to associate that brand with those. And yes, by the way, it is true. Years ago, Levi did actually release uh, their own line of suits and that, as you might imagine, it did not go so well. So really interesting story. Again, I'm going to link a number of the different social media responses. There's a, a, an article that highlights a lot of them, as well as this Business Insider article as well. So go to rightly.show slash 56 if you'd like to check those out, where there will be uh, this and a lot more details about the whole change. Become a Rightly subscriber and never miss a thing. Go to rightly.show slash subscribe to get the latest tools, resources, videos, and more. Best of all, it's free rightly.show slash subscribe. Okay, so creating a writing workflow. First of all, you might be wondering, yeah, I'm not a writer, so why would I need a writing workflow? So the interesting thing about that is I never really considered myself a writer either. And in terms of the trade and the practice, I definitely don't. In fact, one of the only reasons I can even do any decent writing is thanks to tools like Grammarly that make it super easy to correct your grammar and, and actually make your sentences flow properly. But the fact of the matter is all of us write just about every single day, whether you're answering emails or even if you, you, know, you have a blog or something like that, or you've got even text messages. I mean, all of us write every single day. And a big important part of doing that effectively and efficiently is creating some sort of workflow or method to the madness, some sort of order that we use every single day to make sure that we get as much done as possible. So this obviously applies to pretty much every aspect of our lives, every aspect of the business that we're trying to build, but it applies especially, I think, to writing because writing is one of those things that we can do that can become really we can become really distracted in quite easily. I know for myself, it's easy to, uh, you know, kind of get in a, a rut or not know what to write or how much to write or all the different things that come associated with writing for whatever reason. Now, when it comes to recording a video or a podcast, it seems not that hard to get the content out there. But for whatever reason, maybe it's just me or maybe there's a lot of people out there who struggle with this too. But for whatever reason, when it comes to writing, sometimes it seems harder to get things done. I think that's where we get the term writer's block. And for whatever reason, we don't have a block on anything else we do. But the interesting thing that I found is that just creating some sort of schedule or plan or workflow when it comes to writing can help tremendously. Now, if you already have a blog or you know some sort of outlet through which you write to meet the meet the uh, reach the public or to reach your target customers or whatever it is that you're writing even if it's just writing responses to customer emails having a workflow uh, is essential so one of the things that i do uh, this is one of the things that has helped me tremendously over the course of the last year i would say is that i try i try now that i am creating content regularly 
to slot aside at least 30 minutes every single morning to write. Now, I do not write very many articles anymore. I still do write an article on rightlydesigned.com fairly, you know, on occasion, but it's not a regular part of what I create. The two mediums or channels that I create on regularly are here, the podcast as well as videos on YouTube. However, there is still writing involved in doing that, not nearly as much as cranking out, you know, a 1200 or 1400 or 2000 word article. However, there still is writing involved. So just to give you a quick idea of what I do, I create a single document. I create a single document that includes a topic. And sometimes this topic changes or splits away based upon the medium. But what I do is I create a, a topic and then I jot out bullet points or notes or talking points that I want to cover on that topic. I also write out the and list out the specific tools I'm referencing or articles or anything in between, and I list those things out. I also write out an intro for each one, and I break it down, whether it's for the video or whether it is for the podcast, and then I also write out the corresponding email that goes out to subscribers to let them know that these new things have been created when they get published. So I organize that all into one document, and typically it takes about 30 minutes to an hour to create one of these. It takes the time to go through and research and read on the topic if there's other things that I need to know regarding data or stats or if there's a news story or a tool that I need to research. It usually takes about 30 minutes to an hour depending upon the complexity of what thing it is that I'm working on. So to kind of circle back, what I do is for 30 minutes a day at least, what I try to do is I sit down, I've blocked this out on my calendar and I start writing out this document and I just write and I just have, uh, you know, on this topic, I go through, I write out the bullet points, I plan it out, I think through the intro, the email and everything else. So my goal typically each day is to finish one of these in its entirety. Like I said, it can take from 30 minutes to an hour. So that doesn't always happen. However, by having that goal in place, I found that I'm starting to stockpile a rapidly growing list of essentially content outlines that I can just go through at any point in time and batch create, batch record if I wanted to, or just do them on a weekly basis. So that's become immensely helpful. But let's circle back around to something that I think a lot of people struggle with, and myself included. And that is, I don't know what to write about. I don't have any ideas. I know I need to create content. I need to, you know, create a new podcast, or, you know, I need to create a new video, or for most people, I need to create a new article. I don't know what to write about. However, what I found is I used to struggle with that as well, but what I found solves that problem is to keep a running bucket list that I update daily or at least close to daily of ideas of things to write about. And you'd be surprised when you've actually worked into your daily workflow, your daily life, keeping an eye out for something on which to write, it can make a huge difference. So I work in Basecamp to manage all of my projects for the clients I work on as work with, as well as for notable themes. And I've just gone ahead and I've created a separate team, i.e. it's kind of like a project in Basecamp that I have separated, set aside for content creation. And so what I do is every single time I see an article or a topic comes up or there's something on which uh, I think would be helpful to share with you guys, what I do is I just write a quick little to-do or task uh, in my ideas list. So I'm constantly collecting ideas and this list is just growing. And then what I do is I reorder them 
based upon priority or usefulness. And so if I think that something is more useful or more time sensitive than something else, I'll move it to the top of the list. And I think what I'm going to go ahead and do is I'm going to create a video that actually shows you guys my whole workflow within Basecamp because I'm, I'm touching on the, the basic overview of the writing workflow here. But what I may do at some point is to show you the whole thing in its entirety via video. So if you're not already subscribed via video, uh, make sure to go to rightly.tv where you can do that. Uh, but one of the interesting things about this, about this, this idea or this methodology of going through and creating a list of ideas that gets updated regularly, what I have found is that I am never short on ideas. In fact, for me, when I go down to when I when I come to the point where I'm going to create something that I'm going to share, uh, whether it's via podcast or video or whatever the medium, I find that my struggle isn't so much finding what to write as much as which one is the best one to write next. That's my new struggle. My the difficulty is I've got probably uh, you know. 10 things I could record today, but which one would be the most useful for people? And so that's my current struggle. And when you're on that, when you've, when you're, when your workflow has gotten you to that point, you can start to see an increase in the quality of the things that you create. Because at this point, you're not just saying, oh no, I have to release a, an article this Tuesday and I haven't written anything yet. And then trying to figure out what to write. Instead, you've got this collection of things that you can write and you can just pick from the ones that you think are the best or, you know, maybe something happened throughout the week that makes one more relevant than the others. Um, for example, that, that whole IHOP change. So there's a lot of different ways that you can increase the your productivity through that because I can't even tell you the amount of time I've wasted in the past just trying to think of something to write or to create. That no longer is an issue. Now that that, you know, productivity killing problem is now completely gone. It's by the wayside. And so I'm completely, I'm continually refining that. So to recap, I wanted to take a moment to recap, to go back and just kind of share with you some of the steps in concurrence. So first of all, throughout my week, as I'm working, I'm continually creating or adding to a list of ideas, things that I could create or write on or talk about or share in a video. So those ideas, that list of ideas is continually growing. Number two, on a daily basis, I am writing out a script or a uh, or show notes or an outline for uh, the content that I want to create. So that's always happening. New ideas, number one, are already coming to, uh, coming into you know a list. New ideas are always being added, number one. Number two, they're always being formulated into uh, an outline, which they can then be produced into content. And then number three, what I'm doing on a weekly basis is I'm then taking and recording those things in their various platforms. So if to apply that to writing, what that would mean is that I'm then writing that out, you know, executing upon those ideas on a weekly basis, I'm writing that. So similarly, again, you might be thinking, well, yeah, I'm not really creating content right now. That's probably a topic for another episode where I'm going to talk about some of the different types of content that you can create and how to go about that. But you might just be thinking, you know what? My main form of writing is just answering emails. And so what I typically recommend is to apply what I just went through, that whole uh, that whole process, those list of steps, and apply that same thing to just answering emails. I know in the past what I used to do is I used to actually answer emails in, you know, throughout the day. 
And what I found is that when I did that, I would waste a significant amount of time, especially when you're doing creative work or you're when there's something that you're creating or designing or coding, uh, whatever that your craft is or whatever it is that you produce or create. If you interrupt that throughout the day, A, the quality will not be nearly as high as it would be if you set aside time specific to work on that continually. And number two is that it takes longer. Every single interruption gives you, requires five to 10 minutes where you have to refocus on where you were working before. So again, what I would do is I would apply the same principle, which means that I would set aside 30 minutes to an hour a day just to focus on email. And then from there to, you know, and maybe you could do that twice because I know email is a little bit different. You can't always just check email one time a day, but limiting it to once in the morning and then maybe once in the afternoon and maybe once at the end of the day can save a ton of time and make the whole process much more efficient. So one of the tools that I wanted to highlight that has made this extremely useful, I know I touched on Basecamp and I'll probably go through how I use Basecamp in more detail in a future episode, but one of the tools that I use is something called Bear. Now Bear, I think I've touched on this in a previous episode, but it makes it extremely easy to organize your writing. So what I do is I actually organize not only articles that I've written or my content outlines, but I actually write all of my emails, all of my Slack messages or Basecamp messages, I write them into Bear. Uh, so Bear is an iOS and Mac only uh, app. So sorry, Windows users. As far as I know, I think it's only going to be uh, a Mac app, but it's so useful. Uh, because what it is, it's all Markdown based, which means that if you're not familiar with Markdown, it's kind of a coding language, not really a coding language, but it, it really easily enables you to create bullets and italics and block quotes and bold and all this formatting uh, with just a couple of keystrokes as you're typing. So it's a really efficient tool for typing uh, and creating content really quickly. It also enables you to, you know, export via PDF, export via uh you know, a Word document or something like that. You can copy and paste it as HTML into your WordPress website, which makes it, you know, the formatting is flawless, it's perfect, you don't ever have to worry about anything like that. But it's also got tags built into it. And these tags are key to what we're talking about today. The tags have enabled me to uh, not only to structure the, the various types of things I'm writing, but the stage in which they are in the writing process. So if I'm currently writing uh, an email that needs to get sent out. I write it first in bear. And then once I've written it, uh, I tag it as being an email and then I pin it to the top if it's something that has not yet been sent. So it's like a really simplified version of Evernote. I like this so much more in terms of day-to-day -day use than Evernote. It's been amazing. I still use Evernote for organizing a number of things, but Bear has become an essential tool for everyday writing. Everything, like I said, from emails, uh, to Slack messages, to articles. And I do all of my, the content outlines that I mentioned previously, I do those all in Bear. So one of the things you might be wondering is why would you write all of your emails in this program rather than directly in your email client and then, you know, save it as a draft or something. And again, this comes back to a writing workflow. What I've found that if I focus upon writing, if I focus and I'm in like a writing mode, staying in one application or one app for me has significantly help that process. So I do it first, I do, I focus on all the things that I need to write during that writing time and I just crank through them in bear. And then when it's time for me to send that email or post that article or create that video, 
I then have these things and they're organized and I know exactly where to find them. I've got a, a content or a writing time and I've got a content creation time. I've got an email sending time. I've got a coding time, a design time, a time and a place for all things. Uh, and using Bear to organize everything beforehand has made that endlessly helpful and easier to do. Uh, so I've actually created a tutorial, a free video, where you can go and check out how I'm currently using Bear. Uh, and that's just on our YouTube channel, which you can find at rightly.tv. So hopefully you found this useful. If you have any questions or comments, or if you'd like to let me know that you, you know, how you're using Bear or what writing tools work best for you, you can always leave a comment on today's show notes, which again is rightly.show slash 56. So thank you so much for tuning into the program today. And I look forward to seeing you in the next episode. And as always, go out there and create a brand that is truly rightly designed. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the program. If you found it useful, please take a quick moment to leave us a review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or the medium of your choosing.